Welcome to the Oasis Unstacked, where we cover NFTs, the metaverse, crypto gaming, and everything in between. Hey, Monopoly, how are you? Good, glad to be here. Can you hear me all right? Yeah, I can. Yeah, Great. thanks for taking time to join us. I guess the, maybe the best way to get started is that do you want to share a bit about you know, your background and how did you got started on you know, crypto and NFTs? I mean, I've been dealing with non-fungible items basically my entire life through gaming, but I come from a real estate and legal background and then kind of dove into Bitcoin and crypto early, early on, like 2010 for gaming and stuff like that. But again, I mean, non-fungible items have always made sense to me. I used to sell WoW Gold. I used to play Diablo 2 a lot and sell items on there. Habo Hotel, which is so funny because it's it's like it came full circle. Like, I don't know if anyone's ever played Habo Hotel or anything like that, but it was it was non-fungible items. And we were selling, you know, furniture and posters and basically NFTs back in like 2011, 2012. So that's how it always kind of made sense to me. But I didn't go full time crypto until about five years ago. But once I did, I mean, I was just totally hooked. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, like, I think there's the, what's, what's really awesome about NFTs that there's like a lot of, I guess, pre Web3 things that, you know, we can all relate to in terms of like, you know, collecting items and all sorts of things like that um, makes like a lot of sense for many people. It looks like Luis is on. So Luis, do you want to share a bit about, you know, your background and uh, how you got into crypto and NFTs? Hey, y'all. Thanks for thanks for having me. So sorry for the the issues earlier. My background before starting full time in crypto, I used to work in traditional finance, work at Goldman and Blackstone before. 2016, I went to visit a good friend who was also listening to us, by the way, Leo, in San Francisco. Ended up seeing a few talks there by Vitalik and, and other people. Understood very little of what, what was said, but I, I realized like uh, what was going on in Ethereum was important. That was like right after the first DAO. Then 2017 came, was completely crazy that time. But the market grew to a point where I, I decided to go full-time in crypto. So I have a crypto a quant funds together with my partner, Shira, who's also listening now. We have a partnership with the largest quant funds in Latin America. But earlier this year, I became very interested in NFTs. Initially, more as a, as a novelty, like in connection with DeFi. But then I, I realized NFTs had a more impactful presence in crypto and this could be something that uh, could really grow like could, could really be a become a market back then was uh, when we started to to think about the idea of forming a DAO and eventually this became fingerprints DAO yeah so like let's kind of get a little bit more into what fingerprints DAO is for those who are listening or not as familiar I'm curious like how you know we had a conversation about um like what you were kind of thinking about doing at the time. And I'm curious, like, what was the inspiration? Obviously, the angle for fingerprints is, you know, quite unique and different than some of the other NFT, you know, focused DAOs that are out there. We started as basically a collection of autoglyphs. The thesis for autoglyphs was very clear. So it's uh, the first truly on-chain art, maybe one of the first generative arts 
as well. Something that became like a whole movement recently with art blocks, with Aris, with like many other artists as well. But Autoglyphs has this historical component. So like it was always clear to me and to the rest of the founding group that this was going to be like an important artwork in the years to come. So, and it's such a small collection when you put in this context, 512 pieces. So our idea is, okay, if we have enough of these pieces to start, this connects as a focal point or a shelling point to start a DAO. So we bought a bunch of glyphs and laid out the idea that the glyphs are going to be like the founding collection for, for the DAO. And we were fortunate to attract a lot of talent uh, in this space. Listening now, we have like a lot of members who joined uh, in, the, in the beginning. And I think people were attracted by autoglyphs in the beginning. But like the more general curation thesis that we have now, uh, where we see like smart contracts as art developed over the initial weeks uh, after many discussions w- with the, the, the people in the DAO. Now Fingerprints has over 200 members, one of the largest uh, collections of uh, generative and and, uh, conceptual art, very unique and focused collection, I'd say. But now we are also expanding beyond just collecting, and we are also producing and incubating other projects that I think uh, we should uh, talk a little bit more uh, later. I'm fascinated by kind of the emergence of this generative art, especially the idea of like being this kind of pure, this pure on-chain art in the sense that like, I don't think something like this has really existed before. So I'm wondering why you guys started, like what's, why is the, what's the significance to you guys of like the the work being on-chain and and to start with that style of of collection? We've actually, uh, for the rest of the collection, we've expanded the curatorial thesis beyond just being on chain but for the beginning the fact that autoglyphs are entirely on chain and the art itself is the token it's something that is wasn't actually able you was you were not able to do before this is very unique to the medium so in a sense it's very authentic if you come from a traditional art framework and you'd say, okay, this is something that has been done before, or oh, I, I can see that this is there's no innovation there. Or for autoglyphs, you cannot say this because for autoglyphs, there's the, a technical component that is unique. So that that would only be able to that that's only be uh, able to to be done uh, with uh, Ethereum with the blockchain. So I think that was what attracted us in the beginning. Also, the fact that uh, provenance for autoglyphs is very interesting because it's the same creators as uh, CryptoPunks. So it felt very natural to, for that to be the, the first thing for us to focus. But as I mentioned, we've expanded uh, the idea to include other interesting uses of smart contracts just beyond just being uh, stored on chain. So now, now there's a lot of on-chain projects, which is great. People are taking the idea of storage more seriously. But like just being on-chain now, it's, it has to do something more, like to, to become something interesting to the point for us to collect. Right. And building upon that, we really try to focus on things that are highly curated already. I mean, on-chain art is, is probably the closest thing to a physical art piece. 
and Larva Labs has clearly stood the test of time. And that that's another part of our thesis is, is it has to be highly curated. It's great if it's on chain, but also we, we want pieces that, that have stood the test of time that are curated by ga- not only by, by crypto native people, but by galleries as well. And I think we've shown that through, through having artist members such as Def Beef and Mitchell Chan, um, Harm Dan Van Doppel, you know, people like that who, who really have amazing, amazing backgrounds. Yeah. And then on top of that, I mean, the fingerprint style currently has, you know, collection of autoglyphs, you know, digital zones of immaterial pictorial sensibility, Def Beef, and the Mutant Garden Cedar and Avid Lines. I'm curious to hear, like, how do you guys, like, how does the curatorial process work, you know, among, you know, 200 members of Fingerprint Style? Like, what kind of discussions that are ongoing to, you know, try to sort out what's interesting works that are, you know, be interesting to collect as a DAO? Uh, I'm just curious to know how do you guys approach that, you know, building consensus within the members, but also how the curation process works. So the, the way the curation process works is we have a curation committee. The curation committee, by the way, is uh, being expanded as we speak. It's going to be more people are going to join the curation committee. And this is, is going to be confirmed by a vote within the DAO. But we choose the approach to, to have a curation committee first to keep the collection very focused. Why having a focused collection in comparison to just buying one of everything. Like uh, from a portfolio perspective, maybe in the short term, you can build an interesting portfolio of NFTs if you just buy one of everything. Like it's, a, uh, it's not a bad strategy. The issue with that is that if you just buy one of everything, you don't have a strong signal. You are not curating. You're just allocating. So we wanted from the beginning being very focused on curation because we feel that in the long term, the fact that we have a strong signal, so everything we buy, we've said no to 90 other options to buy that one. So that in the the long term makes everything we buy actually special in, in a sense. So every partner, every project we partner with Every project we incubate it as well. This is something that uh, that you build over time. It can generate some some noise in the in the short run, but I do believe that in the long run, it's the best strategy. The only the other reason for also having a, a curation committee that is has been led by Sam Spike, which is an amazing curator with a traditional background, but really understands the the medium. And also, for example, Death Beef is in the, the curation committee as well, like amazing artists, very technical. And the other reason to, to have the curation committee like this is to avoid the issue of uh, front running. So generally, since we are very focused, we try to have a very large collection of everything we collect. Being one of the top collections, the top collection, like really do it in size. So... If we discuss among with, and we are very open as well, like we have 200 members and we're we are still growing membership. So if we have a completely open discussion and people can anticipate what we're buying, the risk of front running is very real. So people would just like buy before we buy because they know we are going to buy in size. So the solution we've adopted so far has been a curation committee. 
Yeah, no, I think that I think that approach is really interesting. I think you know some of the not only curation committee, but you know I know there's uh, other you know subcommittees that are sort of people who are focused on you know whether that's managing the updated portfolios to you know help running or you know ideating about the you know incubating new projects that emerge out of fingerprint style. You know the incubated projects like Avid Lines or Emergent Style are. Was that sort of organic process for fingerprint style when that project kind of spun out of the DAO, or was it like how how does that work? Was that intentionally focused thing, or was that something that just grew out of from you know conversations or ideas that you know as that within the fingerprints? So something that's really great about fingerprints is that it goes back to what Louise was just saying: is we have really focused groups, so. For me personally, I'm not a curator. I don't I don't know art history, that sort of thing. So I kind of stay out of that realm, that committee, but I focus on other areas. So I think it's very important that in DAOs and specifically fingerprints is that we do what we know. And so for something like Avid Lines, we had a smaller group come in, me being one of them who's done NFT projects before, project management. And we kind of put it together and it was really, it was mostly Ariz, the creator of Emergence, Pulse Squares, Framergence, Avid Lines. He wanted to be a member of Fingerprints DAO, but also he knew that we had the tools to help him. And that's what we really provide for artists. Uh, we can do, we could have marketing, we could have design, we could have smart cr- contract devs who can, you know, look over, who can audit. We can provide you all the tools that you may need. So we did that for Rees, and he had a project in mind that he had kind of been, you know, tooling with for the last few months. And he came to us and said, I want to release this. I, I don't really want it to be an immigrants project. I would love to, to work with you guys. So we kind of put together all the tools for him, helped him market, helped him bring the audience, connected with OpenSea through uh, Ari Greenberg, who is here with us now. And we, we project managed it. After that, he used some of the ETH that he got from the sale to to join as a member. So it was really this cool collaboration where we we saw an artist who obviously has an amazing background and he wanted to be a member and he also just wanted to work with us. So that's how that came to fruition. As far as the immigrants DAO, I was not part of that. That was put together by a member proper. And again, that goes back to we we really do what we know best and we kind of stay out of the other people's business. And that's goes back to our application process. We try to find people who are who are really good at what they do. We have another member, Juke, who runs a nonprofit, but he has extraordinary connections with VCs and he helped with the VC raise on phase three. So it, it, it's a process of finding what you're good at and doing that and doing that, sticking to that. Just to add on, on what the dollar mentioned, on emergence specifically, that was one idea where uh, people were really interested in in emergence and from emergence the the project as a whole. But we felt like from the discussions at the doubt that it didn't necessarily fit our thesis, the curatorial thesis. But since there was enough support to do something around this project, few members decided to say, "Okay, let's just put together another DAO." And fingerprints is going to incubate it. So fingerprints was the place for people to initially discuss. Fingerprints provided some ETH for the DAO as well. And now 
the DAO lives elsewhere with its own token, and Fingerprints is a member. Uh, and it was interesting because eventually uh, Squiggle DAO and Flamingo DAO also joined Emergence DAO, so it became like a cross DAO and individual collaboration. So it's an interesting. I like I like this framework for us to whenever we have something that enough of the members are interested, but it doesn't really fit the the way we curate or the way we collect in the main collection of fingerprints. We can just use sub DAOs or incubated DAOs to to expand. I really like the 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 model of uh, sub DAO for DAO scaling. So you. You basically, whenever the, the organism becomes too large, it's easier and, and, and more efficient to just have the subgroups that work as a small, a small uh, uh, DAO, you know. So it's a, a, another, another new organism connected to the, to the main one in the beginning, but a great way to scale without losing focus. You just touched on something that I think is so fascinating, and it's the use of the word organism. And I really feel like what, you know, the different emergent layers of the internet are are really creating this like giant collective consciousness because we can like, we're all like neurons in this network that's connected at the speed of light. And I'm wondering if you like look at biological systems, it sounds like you do, but do you look at biological systems and, you know, take bits and pieces from like the symbioses in nature to inform the structure of like the governance of these different DAOs? Is that something you guys think about actively? I don't think we actively use this as a, as a framework, but I really like the, the idea of biological systems as frameworks for, for DAOs because the way they emerge is very organic in that sense. It's very interesting because having the experience of, of uh, setting up a company and setting up a DAO the company you can more or less okay have a, a roadmap and say okay this is what we're going to do we are going to hire these people and these are the activities we're going to do for the DAO it's basically okay we have this initial points where we are going to focus and we are going to get a group of people and the this initial group of people you don't know how, who you are going to get uh, you can try to select but you can. Like people are going to come to you if they are willing. So what? And once you have the people, the ideas of what you are going to do and how you are going to move are collective. So it emerges. The activities of the DAO emerges. So I think like people don't manage DAOs. They they. It's almost like a garden. You know, you have to see. Oh, this part is going well. So we should like give it a little more attention. This other part is not going very well. So it's very hard to, to say, oh, this is the roadmap for the DAO. It's much more a process of getting interesting people, working together, have the corrective incentive systems, and see what comes up. Because I really trust, like, people, if they are interested and they're good, it's, it's going to be, be an interesting output anyway. Yeah, and an interesting quote I heard the, heard the other day is that DAOs are are not hierarchies, but they are hive minds. And I think that's that's very important. And I was speaking to a prospective member the other day, and he said, you know, what's what's the DAO all about? Is it about the collection? Is it about the creation? And and it got me thinking, and I, and I said to him, you know, eventually I believe our creations will outweigh our collection. And to say that right now is, is <laughs> that is huge because our collection is, you know, it's probably valued at around 20, 
20,000 ETH, you know, 15,000 to 20,000 ETH. So for us to say that our creations will be larger than that one day is, is kind of taking a giant, giant leap. But, but I think that's true. I mean, I think, I think DAOs will create much more than they collect at some point. I agree 100%, by the way. I think collection is just an excuse for us to get together. But I see the value of the DAO today much more in the people than in the collection, for sure. No, I think that's like super interesting way to think about it. And, you know, I think that makes me wonder, you know, I, I guess these incubated projects are sort of falls under the, the new creations of, you know, what Fingerprint Style has brought. And like, how do you think about the, you know, ongoing relationship you have with these, the projects that you incubate? Are you, is it that, do they work as like a separate satellite and, and independent or... How do you think about the kind of like to to what extent do you want to you know be involved in that or not involved in that? I think that's like something that I'm curious. How do you guys think about that? I think it's going back to the biology idea is I think in the early days of a project, it's very important. Like, for example, if you are building a community and, and I'm struggling with these questions right now. Because I've proposed to the DAO, not formally, but uh, informally at least, to incubate another project, which is Raw DAO, a DAO for photography. So the question is, okay, what does Fingerprints as a DAO needs to do in the beginning to make this project successful? But how can the project become something on, on its own? So, so how can you leverage what the DAO has already built, but not uh, cap let's say, like the, the size of this next project. So the, the framework I have is, okay, in the beginning, you have to be very active as a DAO to make this work, to build the early community, to set up the structures, to say, oh, this worked, this doesn't work, to promote, to market. But eventually, you have to become, as a DAO, more passive and let the project go its own way. So I think for emergence, that was uh, also the case in the beginning. Like we, we did a lot of uh, the early setup for the DAO, but then the DAO became something on, on its own. Like for emergence, Fingerprints has, uh, if I'm not mistaken, 10% of the emergence tokens, but emergence lives elsewhere, lives in the uh, emergence discord. It's uh, like the, the conversations are, 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 are more motivated by the emergence community than anything else so it, it becomes something on, on its own so uh, i think that's the that's the idea like almost like raising some someone you know like you you want the child to be successful on its own and much even more successful than than yourself with the corrective incentives i think that's uh that's a great fr framework to 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 build new stuff and to scale yeah and then if you if you look at what avid lines did with that project, we, you know, helped the artists bring the product to market. And we also did a proof of concept showing that an otherwise stagnant asset autoglyphs could generate revenue. So it was, it was a proof of concept, but then also there's beautiful art. And uh, going back to the biology thing, I mean, th those pieces, the Avid line have a lot of microscopic bi biology ties. And so we wanted that project to be incubated and the discord lives within fingerprints DAO discord 
but we also wanted it to be a project on its own. I mean, it's it's a beautiful piece by Ariz, and that's all it needs to be. You know, it doesn't need to be a game. It doesn't need to be utility. It doesn't need to be, you know, all these different things that all these other NFTs are trying to do. It can really just be a, a masterpiece of art and something that is historic in itself because it was a proof of concept on an amazing collection, Autoglyphs. And it did something that a derivative have, has never really done before in the NFT space, which is pay the generator directly from the contract. So that was something we were we were kind of toying with a proof of concept, but also just creating a beautiful NFT. So, you know, there, there's all different stories from the Immigrants DAO to this new Raw DAO to Avid Lines, to future projects, all these things, we want them to kind of tie in to fingerprints. But then again, like Luis said, you know, once we raise this project or once we incubate this project, we do want it to take on a life of its own. And I think this is like interesting because for Emergence, it's like you guys, I mean, the fingerprints got the sort of the tokens to kind of, you know, stay more connected with the, the projects that was incubated. Do you think that's like the path to go forward to kind of be relevant and stay connected? And also, I'm just curious, like, how do you, I don't think we had much discussion internally, but like, what do, what do you think about like the use of fingerprints style token? It, I mean, at the moment, it's it's a representation of the collection and also, you know, be part of this you know, amazing group of uh, members better curated in ways. Do you see there's like, you know, additional utility or different like things that will emerge that will work with, you know, fingerprints DAO token? Or do you think, you know, the simplicity of what it is at the moment? And I think you think that is the sort of the design that, you know, we want to keep going forward. Yeah, I think, I think we, we really try to make it as clear as possible that, that fingerprints DAO is not a speculative token. And I think that's that's hard for a lot of people coming from crypto and coming from NFTs as well, is, is that this is not a speculative token. It's not an investment. All the fingerprint style token is, is a uh, membership to this organization. And through that membership, you can connect with some of the most brilliant minds in crypto that we've kind of curated. And you can make connections for life. You can, you know, do do what we've done with immigrants and and now the raw DAO and also avid lines you can create you can be a part of this this creation so you know going forward i i think it'll just be a voting token and and you can control this decentralized organization to an extent but aside from that you know there's there's nothing really i think the simplicity like you said is is just the the most beautiful thing about it I have a, a quick question. I think that like watching the acceleration of this space has been kind of astounding. Like it almost seems to bend time <laughs> how fast it's moving. And I'm wondering, as you know, as you got into this space, you noted that you've been in it for um, you know longer longer than I certainly. The adoption of these technologies did it did it exceed your expectations for like where we where we are at now? And how do you see this kind of like unfolding into the future? Like do DAOs kind of take over? As the as a prevailing model for how um, institutions and and things are organized, I think the space DAOs are going to to occupy is going to be mainly where coordination in the traditional sense fails. So, for example, companies do great work 
I don't expect DAOs to be running restaurants, to be very blunt or, or and stuff like this. Like centralized coordination works great for mass production, to services, like it, it works great for a lot of things. And also governments work for some things. There's a gap where governments are not great because they cannot be as effective as a company. But also companies are not great because they don't have the, the correct incentive structure. They are too centralized. There is where I think DAOs uh, can really shine. So it can be like uh, crazy to think about that. But I, I see the DAOs we're building as almost, almost like games. So we're doing art, we're doing games, we're uh, training to build the, the, the stuff that is going to be really difficult, I'd say. Because whenever DAOs tackle problems like longevity or conservation or like real issues that are really hard to, to tackle with the current structures, with companies or governments, there is where I think DAOs can really shine. But to get there, we'll need to see what works. We're going to have to have like people there uh, have built a lot of DAOs, know how to manage this organism. A lot of tooling for DAOs is still has to be built, like a lot of tools. There's a long road for that. I don't think DAOs are going to, to become the dominant form of organization. But I think they're they're going to be as important as uh, governments or traditional companies. Yeah, and I, I think we're we're in the space now where it's very similar to Bitcoin in 2010, 2011, where there's there was two use cases for Bitcoin back then. It was either gaming or drugs. And right now, it's like DAOs are either collecting or they're curating, and we're just now starting to see creation. So going back to what Louise was just saying is that. DAOs are going to be great for some things, but right now they're really great because we have this kind of, I don't want to say naive because it's not naive, but there is there is this huge sense of trust. And it's really cool because we can all trust each other. It's a very small group. So we kind of defer to the judgments of others. But as soon as that gets too large, too bloated, we'll probably see the same thing where there's this big bubble and uh, you know there's there's very little trust. And I'm not saying that about fingerprints. I just mean DAOs in general. They will become, you know, too big, and uh, there will be too many of them. And certainly, we'll see something like where there will be too many use cases, and then we'll see it kind of, you know, get smaller and smaller and really defined. And I think that's that's something that we'll see very soon here, because I remember when I was in real estate for a while, it was it was always people buying houses, and then it become it became hedge funds buying houses, and they'd sweep up everything. And so I think DAOs will, will be similar; they'll be very large. Like I remember Perigio, the guy who bought the Smoking Alien, he talked about how he didn't think that from then on that any individual would ever buy an alien again, that it would just be DAOs, it would just be organizations. And actually the people who bought the Christie's alien, they were an organization. They were not, it was not a single person. So I, I think that is what we're going towards to where a lot of organizations will be coming in and people will be able to get exposure to things that they could not normally do. So, you know, I think the use cases are small now and they'll expand rapidly and then they'll they'll get defined smaller and smaller after that. And back to that idea of biology, it's like it'll be 
forced to evolve and be like another survival of the fittest of, of exactly. what the best use cases for these organizations exactly. are. Yeah. Brilliant answer. Thank you. What's your favorite um, things we collected in Fingerprints DAO or the project that we incubated? Just pick one. <laughs> oh, yeah, Louise. <laughs> it's difficult because if you say that you're going to, to make other people, <laughs> you're going to, to disappoint someone. But I think at this point, it became clear that Death Beef is going to be maybe like years from now is going to be something that people will remember and see it as as really important. So what Death Beef, what he has done, he really innovated. He's already like very, he achieved like a lot of success in this space. But it's still like whenever I, I have a conversation with him, it feels like, okay, this guy's just starting, you know? And what you see when you go through his series, like series zero, one to, to five, every series gets better. And this is like, this is the mark of a great uh, experimentalist. So I think he really innovated in the way he, he, he does things, using really the constraints of only using a C compiler to do amazing art, audiovisual art. And I think we've just seen the, he's, he's also very uh, critical like of the space. He sees like, okay, this, this doesn't make sense. Like he's very true, true to himself. So I think like Death Beef is definitely going to be one of those names that uh, we're going to remember years from now. Yeah, and, and I won't pick a favorite, but I do want to speak on the, uh, connectedness of the DAO. I mean, I get to speak to Sarah from Bitcoin. I get to speak to Mitch Chan from the IKBs, Jeff Beef, you know, Ariz. I get to speak to these people like once a week privately in DMs just because we're fingerprints members and and also I'm I'm helping them, you know, do certain things. But the fact that you get to connect with these people and, and really get to, you know, meet them, talk to them, hear what's going on with their experimenting. It's just, it's an incredible place to be. It really is the bleeding edge. And, you know, Mitchell Chan has done things that I wasn't aware of before joining the DAO. Like he has YouTube videos explaining his art, explaining NFTs. He did all these things that that really expand the space. Something similar to, you know, what Def Beef has done with his art. Um, he's really expanded what we thought was possible so these artists are you know they're on the on the cutting edge and sometimes their stories don't get out there because a lot of people just don't like to talk about themselves so i think all of our artists are just absolutely incredible and that doesn't even touch on our autoglyphs as well i mean if you know if you hard pressed a bunch of members and fingerprints they'd probably say the autoglyphs are some of their favorites but again when you have an artist in there who's talking and chatting, they quickly become your favorite. Awesome. We're kind of hitting this 45 minute mark. So I'll just keep to, I guess maybe one more questions for our you know amazing two speakers today. What are you guys most excited about fingerprints at this moment? Like what, what, what excites you? I really like the meta game here. So we're getting to a certain point where the number of members starts to grow to a certain point where you don't know everybody by name. So you have to, how do you coordinate in that sense? How do you get members that should be working together to work together? So we are starting to think about the like the tooling, 
how to 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 really organize it, those are new challenges that we didn't have before so i really like that that comes from a great place that the quality of members i think it's like the average is increasing which is crazy to think about but it seems to be correct uh, like i i see the average member is more engaged than than they were before and also higher quality like crypto native people great artists great devs so uh it, it's it's great to, to think about this idea of how to coordinate people and the next challenge i'm thinking of how we can really leverage the power of the dao is for fingerprints to become a great place for you to start a project either by finding funds to fund your project finding people to help you uh, with your project finding validation or feedback for the project. Initially, this is all very connected to art, NFTs, but I think there's enough social and intellectual capital there that people would just come from any for any ideas. Like we have like four unicorn founders in the DAO, multiple founders uh, in the DAO, VCs. It's interesting to see it as it's expanding to a more general purpose. So I'm excited about that. I had one one more question too for you guys is what is the process of some, like if somebody wants to get involved with fingerprints they want to you know apply or join the DAO uh, just like what is the kind of protocol for for getting involved so to get involved firstly you would do a, a lot of research and and we always tell people to to you know read our git book read the twitter read the website everything there to make sure that you're fully informed on what you're getting involved in but then you would join our discord and kind of poke around there look around check out some of the opened areas we have we you can look at the projects you can look at avid lines you can look at all kinds of stuff you can scroll back and see the the inception of the dao and who's been joining and what kind of members we have. You can really go through and, and get a ton of information there. And then we recommend if you do want to join, you can go to the over-the-counter channel in our Discord. That's the only place that we recommend you find the Prince token. And it does require 5,000 prints. And, and that's how you would get involved. But you know, you really need to do, do research. Um, we find that a lot of people in this space just kind of ape in, you know, dive in with, with no formal research. And for a DAO, I, I think it's a lot different than just buying an NFT or or going into the next coin or whatever. You really have to do a lot of research and see if, if this is the right place for you because we are a hive mind. And that's that's something that I'm most excited about is that the hive mind, we can unlock different parts of the mind and we can connect different parts of the mind and we can really create something that is much, much larger than ourselves. I would only add to what Dollar mentioned. So in the past, we had the DAO itself selling the membership tokens. We've done it in batches, what we call phases, where the DAO sells and we have a formal application process. But what Dollar said about people doing research is very important because if you come to the DAO and people see that you've done your research, you can say, oh, I can contribute with that. Someone will find you like a, a, a way to, to get in the DAO either by directly selling uh, to your tokens. Also, we have a, a lower tier membership for devs, artists, people that really can contribute to the DAO. It's just a matter of, of uh, putting our case out there and the DAO will do a vote. But if you're some people just come and say, oh, I want to buy the tokens and like get some, just aping 
ape like they do for for a random project, we don't advise that to be done at all because it's something you should be really in, invested intellectually and putting our time to to be part of. I don't think uh, you should be seeing this as a regular investment or just like a random project that that you ape in and you and you forget. So that would be my my advice to people. Yeah, this was great. Um, thanks, Luis and Monopoly for joining the Oasis Unstacked. So we talk about NFTs, you know, Metaverse and play to earn games. Um, it was wonderful to have and get to know more about what Fingerprints DAO is doing. And I think the way you guys are thinking about it and innovating the space is quite amazing. Really love the point around, uh, you know, collecting to get people around as an excuse and really creating to create, you know, more value even. Um, I thought that was a really, really interesting point. Yeah. Thanks everyone's time. Um, thanks, Dave. Um, we actually have a one more space this week, tomorrow at 12. Uh, we're going to have a conversation with Jess from the Seed Club, and we'll also have a couple other co-hosts hosting the space. So yeah, thanks everyone for joining. Um, this We'll just wrap it up here. Thank you. Thank you so much. And yeah, make sure to follow um, follow these guys, follow Fingerprints Dow. They're up to incredible things. I've learned a lot from, from following along. So yeah, follow follow all those guys that have been so generous with their time here. And thank you guys for, for joining us. This has been a, a great thrill. Thanks, everybody. Yeah.